welcome to the show where it's always dad pod season. Your two dadical dudes will take you on a journey about fatherhood. If you've ever struggled with an aspect of parenthood and wanted to know how other dads would handle it, or if you're a mother and want to know just what the hell is going on in our brains, or if you have a burning question and no one to turn to, remember that here you can always ask your dad. Hey, welcome back everybody to another episode of Ask Your Dad, where two dudes with daditude take you down the trials and tribulation of fatherhood. I'm Nick. And I'm Nick. And we're excited to bring you our third episode. The Dale Earnhardt Sr. episode. <laughs> the Intimidator. In this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we, we raise hell and praise Dale. <laughs> all right yeah so that was fun yeah <laughs> um so how things been going since we did our last episode uh pretty good i think it's been maybe a week it's been a little bit over a week yeah okay um the room we we recorded in last time is no longer there no well the room is there but everything else in it isn't <laughs> Bender Studios didn't last more than one episode. <laughs> I mean, technically, the air hockey table's in there still. <laughs> um, that was a great recording table. That worked out really well for us. Yeah, I think the time. blanket over the top helped, too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, everything's been going good with me. Um, I have had a sick kid for two days. Me, too. Oh. You do yours first. Oh, okay. Um <laughs> Shirley Jean has had a fever for two days, so she's just been hanging at home. Um, her fever is better this afternoon, so she's probably going to school tomorrow. Yeah. Um, Adriana also missed a day, too, actually, last Friday. Um, she just had this like crazy cough that wouldn't go away, and I'm just thankful that she didn't have any like lethargy or mm. fever or anything. She's just got a cough. Yeah. But uh, me and Jackie and Logan haven't gotten sick at all. That's good. And I don't... I haven't felt sick at all. <laughs> um, oh, I was uh, riding my motorcycle over the weekend. That was fun. Nice. Um, I saw someone that had a a vest on with a, a patch on the back that said Combat Veterans Association. So I... Um, we were at a biker bar that we stop at sometimes. And he went out back, so I followed him out there and asked him all about it. Nice. And then I went to a meeting for it to see if I would want to join. Um, so I did. Nice. How'd it go? It went good. Um, I really liked the people I was I was with. They were all combat veterans, too, so that was nice to have a little bit of camaraderie. Yeah. Well, I know you were talking to me about it. Your big worry was like, I don't want to go there if it's just hanging out and drinking beer. Yeah. So there's got to be like... so. Yesterday was kind of just hanging out and drinking beer, <laughs> but that's not like their normal meetings. Um, that's like a just a social thing that they do together. Their normal meetings are like 
community service involvement type stuff and um like fundraisers and stuff like that so very cool really excited to be a part of that that's awesome man i'm glad you found that yeah thanks how about you what what have you been up to um i've also had sick stuff happening around this house so um i feel like it's been like months but it's probably just been like maybe one where we just are passing something around in this house between the four of us um so my littlest one lincoln he had uh, a, a runny nose and like a slight cough and then the cough got a little bit worse but not like deep deep worse so we weren't super concerned with it um but then his brother nixon started getting it's my three and a half year old uh he started getting a stuffy nose and a little bit of a cough and then it all went away and then mm. my wife would catch it and then a little bit of time would go on and then i would catch it and a little bit of time would go on and then all of a sudden my littlest one would have it again just going in a circle oh, over and man. over again uh we've been putting up with that for i really want to say like close to a month but uh this last week it got worse for my little one um he finally started getting fevers uh, and he started vomiting all of his milk up and he had lower oh, appetite no. and stuff and i know there's tons of stuff going around because obviously i work in a school and your kids go to school so we we, we understand how basically everybody gets sick all the time now but like it, it started getting really worse and we didn't kind of pick up at first. We kind of got used to everybody being a little sick and a little under the weather. And then, uh, one night he would start waking up in the middle of the night, just screaming bloody murder, just like guttural screams, which is not cool at like two in the morning and like sets off all your panic alarms. Yeah. That's really scary. Um, and he's really, he was really tough to get back down to sleep after you'd, you know, bop him around and soothe him and stuff, which normally he goes right back to sleep right away. Um, so that was concerning us for a little bit. That went on for a few days. And uh, finally, he was at school. He's at daycare, and he had a, a vomit episode and a diarrhea episode in the same day. And they're like, "All right, we're g- they're probably gonna call it and send him home." Um, so he popped a little bit of low grade fever that day, and so we took him to the pediat. My wife took him to the pediatrician. She stayed home from work and took him yesterday. And he was because this always happens to us. Naturally, they always get sick on the weekend. So that's dad tip number one: your kids will always get sick on the weekend when your pediatrician's closed. So you either wait it out or take him to a walk-in that's way more expensive. And then dad tip number two, when you finally do get him to a pediatrician, they're fine. Yeah. So that's what happened to Lincoln. By the ti- time we took him, the fever had broke. He was in the best mood he'd been in in weeks. He had slept for all night and then slept for two hours as a nap in the morning. And like he was just crushing it. And my wife stayed home for nothing. And we took him to the pediatrician for nothing because they were like, well, it's probably a virus. So you can't really do anything about that. Or he's teething super hard because all of these are teething symptoms also. And my boys always teeth really hard. They always get like two to four teeth at a time. So that's probably one of those two things, most likely the virus. But he's fine now. He went back to daycare today and he was super happy to see them. And then my my oldest son woke up with a light fever this morning. So we're like, cool, here we go again. Right. Um, but hopefully he doesn't get the barfy one because his barfs is chunky. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> <laughs> um, <but> Sorry. <laughs> this is pretty much what we've been dealing with over here. Um, that's that's kind of been our life. It's the end of the semester in in school, so everything's like uh, grading, 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 grading. And you probably saw on my Facebook. I had a stack that was literally like two feet tall yeah, of papers was... I had to grade. Um, so that sucks. I'm an English teacher for context, so that was fun. I have like 150 was... students, and I have to read their stuff, and it's it's a lot. At first glance, it was comedic because of how tall it was. 
And then I realized but that it wasn't a joke and that's what you really had to do. And I was like, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> um, yeah. Yep, that's fun. That's that's literally all I okay. do now. Yeah. <laughs> Between the kids and work right now, it's, we're just looking forward to Christmas break. Yeah. Well, I'm on Christmas break. Let's go. So, uh, not trying to rub it in your face, but... Hey, I'll be there in yeah. seven days. And the cool thing is... My kids are still young enough where I'm going to be able to send them to daycare for some of it and have the whole house oh, to myself nice. and my wife self, which will be cool because we didn't get to do anything for our anniversary yesterday. Oh. It was our 12-year dating anniversary because we still keep track of both of them because <laughs> we remember the date still. There you go. So we'll, we'll find some time to do something cool with that. Speaking of, she had a pretty good idea for our show. Oh, um, so what's up? We, we don't... I mean, it's only their third episode, so I guess we don't often do anything. But we don't often explicitly mention that the the premise of the show is supposed to be answering questions from other people or topics um, that our audience, when we get that, um, would like for us to talk about. Yeah. And so my wife had suggested one, and I put it in our little uh, shared notes app. And then you had somebody um, on your Facebook page had made a comment that kind of sparked the same idea. And that was, let's talk about... Uh, childbirth from the dad perspective and being in the hospital room because and you know I don't want to rub this into the ground or beat the dead horse or anything but uh, just like last week a lot of stuff that at least I did thinking about fatherhood before I became a father was from like tv and pop culture and the tv and pop culture dads are always passing out in the waiting room or, or passing out in the operating room or pacing back and forth in the waiting room rather and I know there's real life context for that because i've also heard stories from older dads where they just weren't allowed in the or or delivery room so i thought it'd be a unique perspective from our age group that we could talk about that so i thought it'd be a good idea yeah that's a really good idea and it's helpful for my friend who posted on facebook uh because he's going to be a dad soon he's gonna be having a little boy oh that's awesome yeah so um He's probably experiencing right now some of the stuff we're going to talk about. Yeah. And he's he told me that he's listened to both of our episodes so far. So thanks, Matt. I appreciate yeah. that. Shout out to Matt. This is a different Matt than we've ever mentioned before, <laughs> just so everyone knows. We know several Matts. In fact, there's a third Matt that we've never even mentioned yet. It's true. Shout out to that Matt. If you're that Matt, you know who you are. <laughs> so you were, you were dad first, so you have the earlier experiences, so... Um, I don't know if you want to start with uh, your daughter or your son or, well, I guess let me ask real quick, were, were all the childbirths the same procedure? Because my wife had a natural birth and then a C-section. So my wife, for all three kids, had a C-section. Okay. Um, which I'll get into a little bit. Yes. Um, I wasn't there for the first one because... Weren't, weren't around yet? Weren't around then. Wasn't around then. Well, I mean, we were around, but like... In a different context. We knew, we of, knew, we we knew, knew her. of them, I guess, this morning. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, so she had a C-section for that one. I wasn't there for hardly any of it. But, you know, she told me about the experience that led to the C-section. And it was like uh, there were complications that, that forced the C-section mm. to have to be done. Um, for my second daughter, she, she had a C-section. The whole time we were going to the the OBGYN, you know, they were telling her about how her scar could like burst open if she did a VBAC, which is a vaginal birth Mm -hmm. after cesarean is what that stands for. And they were telling her how it can just burst open during the VBAC and, you know, she would basically probably die. Um, 
So they put all this fear into us about the, the VBAC and, you know, through all of our appointments and stuff, it was like reiterated because she wanted to, she wanted to do it if she could. Hmm. And they were basically like, nah. So she goes into labor. We took her to the hospital. It was really early in the morning, like six, six thirty, and her contractions weren't close enough for her to be admitted. So they're like, go home and come back later. Uh. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. So later we did. We went home and we came back later. You know, I had the stopwatch app going and trying to keep track. I had a little notebook mm-hmm. that I was writing them down on. And when we went back, our our OB wasn't available to do the delivery. And it was a different OB. And he was like, all right, let's do the V-back. And we're like, uh, no. <laughs> Well, my wife was like, uh, no. Wow. And uh, he was like, come on, you can do it. And she was like, they told us, they put all this fear into us about the VBAC. Like, we're not going to do that. So her and her doctor were kind of butting heads on that, which I think is weird because, number one, you're not the... You're not the person who was there the whole time. Right. And you're literally saying the opposite of what the person who was there the whole time told us. So Yeah, that's troubling. Yeah. So, I mean, he's a medical doctor and he probably knew what he was talking about. But, you know, we're not just going to take the stranger's advice over the... Right. And when, when something is, is as heavy as, like, you could literally die on the table giving birth versus... You know, we could just do a little procedure and you'll have a longer recovery and stuff like that. Like that's, that's a lot to take in at the last minute. Yeah. And the other thing is Shirley was supposed to be scheduled to have a C-section. Like Jackie wasn't supposed to get to labor first. Right. So that caused complications as well. And, uh, they ended up doing the C-section and when Shirley came out, she was like purpley blue. So she had to go to the NICU for a little while. Um, she was only there for maybe 12 hours and I got to stay with her the whole time oh, and nice. I got to go to the OR as well. And, uh, I even asked, I was like, it was surely was my first child. So mm-hmm. it, all of this was a hundred percent new to me. And, uh, I looked over the, the curtain that they have up there and I was like, I remember from TV, I was like, can I cut the umbilical cord? Nice. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, uh, I saw like everyone looking at each other <laughs> and they're like, uh, this is a sterile environment. You can't come back here. And I was like, okay. So, um, they cut it. They did her Apgar, which I can't remember what that means right now. It's like, a I can't remember the, what the, what the acronym stands for. Um, but it's basically like, and you were going to explain it anyway, it was basically like a health test to see like, um, how healthy is the baby after coming out? There's like a, I think it's a zero to 10 score or one to 10 score or something like that. Yeah. I can't remember exactly the, and the details, but yeah. And this, this ties in, this is another aspect of fatherhood during childbirth. Our wives, I promise you know, every single detail, even though they were half asleep from anesthesia. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, surely I guess did not have a good APGAR score because she was, you know, she's, purple blue and they put her in the NICU. Yeah. yeah. So was that, um, did they explain, they later explain why or what the theories they had of why she was that way? Like umbilical cord tied around her or anything? Um, it wasn't, it wasn't that specific thing. I honestly, I can't remember what the reasoning was. Gotcha. Because, uh, 
it was a trying day for all of yes. us. <laughs> and uh, the main thing I can remember is that I got to stay with Shirley the whole time. And Jackie would have if, you know, she didn't have to right. do recovery was, from yeah. surgery. But um, I stayed with Shirley the whole time. Anytime they moved her, they let me go too. Um, there wasn't anything that was done with her that I wasn't allowed to be there for, which was really great because I would have been so anxious that oh, I would yeah. have been like... Would have been pacing in the waiting room. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so that's my, I guess that's the birth story with Shirley. The pregnancy story, the main thing I can remember is uh, one of Jackie's cravings. Uh, also, I remember being excited that I was going to have a baby too. Yeah. Um, and then um, as soon as I found out it was a girl, like I knew I wanted her name to be Shirley because that's my grandmother's name. Aww. And. Jackie was craving these cherry cheese danishes, <laughs> um, like Little Debbie style, like fresh bakery style. doesn't matter <laughs> as long as it was cherry and cheese in a danish. <laughs> um, and then uh, I also remember sympathy weight. Because of her cravings, she put on some weight. And because of her cravings... I put on some weight. Yes, sir. Because <laughs> I wouldn't want her to eat all that by herself, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so sympathy weight, I think, is a good thing. Or not a good thing, but a, a real thing yes. is what I was going for. So for for my wife and I's first child, um, when her craving... I'll, I'll just start from the beginning. I'll try to go linear. Her big craving was pizza with, with our first kid. She just wanted pizza nonstop, which she already, pizza was like her favorite food. Um, she was not one of the women who apparently sometimes have cravings for food that they're disgusted by. Uh, she was not that. She craved foods that she already liked. And she liked pizza. <laughs> and um, so much to the point where I remember there was one night where I was like, can we please have anything besides pizza? It has been four days <laughs> and we have had pizza for dinner every night. Can we please do something else? And she settled for bagel bites, <laughs> which is still pizza. Yeah, but it it's pizza on a bagel, and you can have it any time. You can have it. You can have it any time. Uh, and she had it. She had a, She had some. I almost said she had a lot, but I mean, she probably did. But she's pregnant. What are you gonna do? Um, so she always jokes that our son is made of pizza. Be. Uh, which frustrates her because we try to offer him pizza sometimes, and boy, he doesn't want it. He wants nothing to do. He's such a picky eater. Um, so he won't touch pizza. And she's like, I made you with pizza. <laughs> Eat the pizza. <laughs> um, so anyway, that was her biggest craving with that. Um, my favorite part with our first child, and this is going to sound callous, but hear me out. My favorite part with the first child when she was pregnant was how emotional she was. Because it came in the stupidest moments and like the <laughs> most ridiculous times. And I couldn't help myself but laugh. And it became a strategy because me laughing at it eased the tension of her emotions and kind of helped her laugh at it too a little bit. Um, and it was never like laughing cruelly at her or anything, but like, uh, for example, one time she was eating a cheese stick on the couch and she had a second one that she had gotten for me and she was like, Hey, do you want this? And I was like, I sure do. And then she tossed it like behind the couch to me and I like, she totally whiffed it and it went like <laughs> three, 300 feet away from me and she just immediately started crying. The other hilarious thing she did when she was uh, super emotional and pregnant is we were out on a walk and we heard an ice cream truck somewhere in the distance, like really far away. And we don't get any many ice cream trucks anywhere in our area anymore. 
but she heard one. She heard the pop goes the weasel jingle. And she was like, where is it? I want to find it. I need ice cream. <laughs> and I was like, it is so far away. There's no way we are going to make it there. And she just immediately burst into tears. She's like, I just wanted ice cream. <laughs> I was like, we don't even have cash. <laughs> <laughs> so those were super hilarious moments for me and laughing at it kind of helped her. I don't recommend that for everybody because there's real, real easy to laugh at it. And then they get more upset. Um, cause they might feel like you're laughing at them, but it just worked out that way. My second child, I won't go into too much detail yet. I'll wait a little bit, but a second child, that strategy did not work the same. Her emotional, <laughs> uh, spikes with the second child were more, um, they were less, less silly and more just like raw emotion. So it was a lot harder to kind of laugh them off and had to be more attentive to it. But when we got to the hospital, um, well, first off it was a, a scheduled induction. We had, we had a set date. And we woke up the morning of the set date and her water had broke. So oh. we were supposed to go in at like uh, 6.30 at night or 7.30 at night. And it was somewhere around 7 in the morning when her water broke the same day. And I was like, this is perfect. We could just go in early. We get fast-tracked. We woke up. She went to the restroom, realized what had happened. She came out. She's like, honey, my water broke. And then she went back in the restroom to check. And as soon as she was gone, like she came out like two seconds later. I'm already dressed. I already got my shoes on. I'm holding one of the suitcases. I'm like, let's go. She's like, okay, slow down. We don't have to go that fast. It's like, no, we're driving 45 minutes to another city's <laughs> hospital. We got to go. And she's like, calm down. I want to get breakfast first. So we stopped and got drive through Panera so she could eat <laughs> on the way. When we got in, um, she was leaking everywhere and she was like apologizing profusely. Uh, quick, quick tip for water breakage for any future parents out there. Um, and I don't remember who told us this, but it was a good tip. Uh, put a trash bag or two trash bags on the seat that she's going to sit in and throw a couple towels on top of that. And that will save your seats Oh, because that, that will be very tip. messy. So we did that. Someone had given us that tip ahead of time, thankfully. And so she was all over the, the reception area waiting to get checked in and everything. And they, they did all the stuff and brought us to the delivery room or the labor room. And she pushed for a long time. It was like a 24 hour labor and we had an epidural. And when we did the epidural, uh, we had a, we had a similar sterile environment kind of interaction. So the anesthesiologist comes in and is doing the pre-talk and everything. And she's like, Hey, we need you to sit on the other side of the room. Cause this is going to be a sterile area. Don't go over there. I'm like, okay, you got it. I'd be out of the way. So I scoot over on the rolly chair and I'm on the other side of the room, just kind of watching and they're prepping her and everything. And they're uh, sanitizing her back and doing all the stuff and getting ready. And she's getting a little worried. She's getting a little scared. She says she wanted me to come over and hold her hand. So she like waved me back over and I was like, I don't think I can go. I don't think I'm allowed to go. She's like, no, just come over. I need someone to hold my hand. And so I walked over there and immediately got yelled at, like lectured really. But I was like, you cannot be over here. It is a sterile environment. And then they told me a story of one husband who went over to that side of the room when his wife was getting the epidural and sneezed Ooh. all over the instruments. And so they had to start all over again and get new instruments and throw everything away. And I was like, yeah, I don't want to do that. I don't want to. Okay. That's fair. So my wife got me in trouble. <laughs> um, Did it go on your permanent record? <laughs> it didn't go on my permanent <laughs> bill because I didn't cost them another set of tools, thankfully. Oh, true. Um, so they did the epidural and it took a while to kick in. She didn't throw up one time with our first kid the entire pregnancy until after she got the epidural. And then like random, a couple hours later, she threw up a little bit while she was in the bed. But once the epidural kicked in and she couldn't really feel anything, she's, her nerves started to get racked a little bit and she was getting a little nervous and, um, just having trouble sleeping. And it was like, 
it was three in the morning or something. We we're just kind of waiting for everything to kick in and dilation to take effect and the pictosin to work through and everything for the induction. And I'm laying on the most uncomfortable couch in the world, oh, which yeah. I'm not going to complain too much about because that couch sucks. It's not, we're not the guests, so I get it, but like that couch sucks. I think it's fair to complain anyway. Like, <laughs> the couch is there for you. Yeah. It's, it's uncomfortable. It's stiff. It's usually some kind of pleather. So it's very sticky and loud and it's just obnoxious. It's not a good dads. Get ready. You're not going to have a good time. You're not going to be relaxing. No. But anyway, so I'm laying on there and I'm like, honey, it's getting late. I'm going to try to get like an hour of sleep. If anything happens, just wake me up, just throw something at me, whatever. I'm going to set an alarm and I shut my eyes for about two minutes and she's like, honey, will you come here? I'm like, yeah, what do you need? And so it's like three 30 in the morning and I, I roll over there and she's like, will you just move my legs? Like it feel, it felt so weird for her to not be able to feel her legs. I was starting to freak her out and like just the pressure of wiggling her legs made her feel a lot better. So from like three 30 to five 30, um, I sat at the edge of the hospital bed and I literally took her left leg and I just moved it back and forth and just wiggled it so she could get some sleep. And, uh, sweet. it was, it was, I'm a little proud of it. <laughs> you should be. Um, but, uh, I don't remember when her contractions started getting really close together, um, but our kid was born about 7.30. Uh, let me check that, actually, because I wrote everything down that day. Oh, nice. <laughs> 7.39. Um, yeah, so our first kid was born 7.39 in the morning after all that. Um, so it was a long 24 hours. And one thing I didn't mention, why she wanted to get food on the way there is because once you're admitted... And once things start to kick up, you don't get to eat anymore until after the kid's born. Yeah. Whether you're getting C-section or, or natural birth. Um, I meant to comment on that when she was when you said she was like, I want to get breakfast first. I was like, oh, that was a very smart move. Yes, yes it was. <laughs> I, I didn't know that's what... I mean, she explained it at the time and I was like, okay, makes sense, I guess. I was just worried about getting there on time because it was a long drive. And I was like, all the fast and furious fantasies of like drifting through traffic, trying to get there real quick. But yeah, they don't they don't let you eat when you're in there. You can do you can chew ice chips and sometimes you can have some juice. And yeah. that's about the extent that you get. Um so it was a long 24 hours with her in labor. Um and not pushing the entire time, but contracting the entire time and then contracting a little worse. And then the epidural kicked in and lowered the pain threshold a little bit, but it still made her extremely nervous and uncomfortable to not be able to feel things. But my boy was born. I did get to cut the umbilical cord, which oh, was nice. awesome. And um, one thing my wife and I argued about uh, all the way up to childbirth was where I was going to be during delivery. Um, so obviously I wanted to be there for her to hold and squeeze the hand or do whatever I had to do to help further the process along. But my big thing is like, if we get to do a natural birth, which it looks like we might be able to do, even though he was tracking very big, I want to be able to see it. Like that was my bag. I want to see my son enter the world. And she was like, no. I don't want you to be down there. It's going to be gross and disgusting. I was like, I don't care. I don't want to see my son enter the world. It's my first boy, my first kid in general. Like I just, I want to see it happen. And so during labor, when she was pushing, I was holding her legs up. So they have like the stirrups and everything, but she had her foot basically on my chest and I was like leaning into it. Um, cause it's a lot of effort and she was bucking. She's like, <laughs> just pushing with her legs. She's got strong legs too. She almost knocked me across the floor. But she was, she was huffing and puffing and pushing, and then she was actually passing out in between pushes because she was hyperventilating so much to push. Like, her body was just, like, and she no sleep and everything. So, like, 
she would push, 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 and then just kind of nod off for like two seconds and then wake back up startled a little bit. And we'd be like, push, let's go. Um, so that was really surreal to watch that happen and a little scary. Um, but all the, all the medical professionals and everything in the room were super calm and everything. So I was like, nothing's wrong. Just get the job done. But when, when he started crowning, they're like, Hey dad, come over. And I was like, all right. And I peeked around and you could see a little bit of his head and I could see his hair. And I thought that was like his head. So I had no context for how big a baby's head is. So like I saw someone, I was like, Oh, there it is. It's about to come out soon. And then the rest of the head came out and his face was like gray because he hadn't had oxygen yet because he just came out. And like the way they turned him to get his shoulders through looked like they were spinning a decapitated head. Ooh. It like totally freaked me out at first. Like gave me the heebie-jeebies. Didn't pass out or anything. Wasn't anything near that. But I was like, oh my god, <laughs> it was like very startling to see. Uh, and then they they pulled them the rest. Actually, they let her pull him the rest of the way out. They had her reach down and pull him out. And I thought that was really cool. That is cool. Um, and laid him immediately on her chest. And then he started crying. I was like, everything's good. You did it. Um, but they let, did it. they let me uh, cut the umbilical cord, which was awesome. Didn't feel the way I thought it would feel, but I just I didn't have any context for what an organ <laughs> would feel like. I don't know if I could properly describe it, but like, no, this is interesting. I highly recommend it. It was cool. But they also let us see the uh, the placenta. So like, we weren't weird, like, we want to keep it or anything like that. But they're like, do you want to see it? And she was like, hell yeah, my body grew that thing. I want to see it. So they right. they plopped it on a table for us and let us check it out. That was pretty cool and gross. I loved it. Um, but our son came out. He was nice and healthy. He's nine pounds, two ounces, 20 and a half inches long. So he's a nice little big boy. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that was it. That's pretty awesome. That's such a that's such a different experience from what I experienced with both of my kids. <laughs> and I think it's because i was in a surgical environment versus like a natural birth environment yeah. so well spoiler alert for when i get to do my second one we did have a c-section for the second one so oh, I, did okay. get, I got to experience both what i which i really appreciate this perspective on both and two vastly different experiences yeah so um i guess i'll talk about my son's birth a yeah. little bit when we decided this was a topic we were going to talk about i I talked to Jackie and uh, I was like, is there anything specific you remember that I should or shouldn't bring up? I probably should have done that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, trying to stay in the bounds a little sure. bit. I'm going to go out of bounds a little bit right now. And it's just as it pertains to myself, not sure. anything to do with her or my son. But I remember we were, when I found out my son was or she was pregnant with my son. I think we were in an argument. <laughs> and then, again, this is just my recollection. Probably not what actually happened, but it's how <laughs> I remember it. <laughs> but I remember just, I was laying in the living room floor. I don't know why I wasn't like on a couch or something. Maybe I was just tired or something. Floors are comfortable sometimes. Man. Anyway, just chilling on the floor, <laughs> being pissed off. <laughs> I remember that feeling. And then she comes down from upstairs and she's like, I'm pregnant again. And I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> that was my initial reaction. And I was just like, guess we're not arguing anymore. <laughs> we have more important stuff to talk about all of a sudden. But, uh, I mean, I was, I was excited later after, you know, the, the, the heat of battle was over. <laughs> 
but at the well, moment, that's a huge shock right at the yeah. moment too like i from both of my experiences i remember being a little bit shocked and i wish i could have reacted more animated because she would have appreciated that more um but both times i found out were a genuine surprise and both times i was just like oh sweet like i didn't have like uh, I wasn't very, I'm not a very animated person when I'm excited about stuff. Usually I'm just like, yeah, that's going to be awesome. <laughs> and so like, it was kind of a muted response, but it, also part of it's just shock. Cause I was like, like you have to wrap your mind around all of what that means and whether it was on purpose or not, it changes the context. Both of my boys were planned, but even still I was like, Oh, this is going to change everything. So there's like a lot of shock that goes through obviously when you first hear that news. So it doesn't surprise me that you're just like, What? Yeah, that's and the then, and that's then a little bit later thing. maybe. I wasn't uh planning to have kids at those moments mm-hmm. either. And Shirley wasn't even a year old yet when we found out we were pregnant with Logan. Um they're I think they're fifteen fourteen or fifteen months apart, so you almost hit that Irish twin yeah. range. <laughs> um and people think that they're twins all the time. Um not so much now because my son is so much bigger than Shirley. <laughs> Um, he's got like two inches on her and I think he weighs almost the same as my oldest daughter. I'm like, what the heck, dude? You need to slow down. You're the baby. (laughs) So yeah, I remember that. I genuinely can't remember like the cravings and stuff. I remember freaking out about how I'm going to take care of three kids instead of two and Two of them are going to be in diapers at the same time for the next couple of years together. And I'm just like, I was genuinely, I was stressed out about it financially because I want to be able to provide. And yeah. uh, I didn't have great jobs then. Like it was all $10 an hour mm-hmm. BS jobs that, you know, you can't really live off of but yeah. you're supposed to try to raise a family and all that kind of thing um so i started looking for better jobs and then i got one before my son was born like uh it's when i started working at verizon mm-hmm. um i think you were there for most of that actually i was actually i was uh you were there when i got the offer i mm-hmm. think like we were we were hanging out in your house and you took the phone call or, or shortly after and you just I think I hung out with you and you told me that you applied and had the interview or you applied and then you're going to the interview, which I remember specifically because you told me you're getting hyped to the Mulan soundtrack. Oh yeah. Cause that was your, that was your hype music. Still is. Yeah. And then, uh, and I remember of course not shortly after that you told me you got the job. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. So, uh, I was really excited about that because it was like a, it basically doubled me, my income and I didn't have any fears anymore about mm-hmm. how to take care of this family that I that I started. So I just remember for my training for Verizon I had to be away for like two weeks, which made me anxious. I was up I was only up in Orlando, so that wasn't so bad. But um sometimes they send you to Atlanta for that. So <laughs> anyway, at least if something happened I could have driven right. driven back home. And then um I must feel like a bad dad for not remembering so many details <laughs> about Logan, Logan I will I will say yeah, I was gonna mention when I get to my second one like it's for some reason it's harder to remember some of the details I think it's just because life is more chaotic with the more kids you have so the less capacity or focus on the next one coming a little bit except for the stress part yeah Logan was planned C-section again and I think after two they just 
probably don't give you a shot at the V-back anymore, maybe. <laughs> well, not unless I have another Dr. Roden. Yeah, right. He's <laughs> like, all right, let's do this. Because now she has a... It's not two scars, but it's a scar on top of a scar yeah. kind of thing. Um, and actually, to this day, she still has pain in her scar sometimes. My wife does, too. And it's... Let's see, my youngest son's about to turn seven next mm-hmm. month, so... It's been seven years. Listen up, honey. Yeah. It's been (laughs) seven years. It's never going away. And she still has pain in that scar. And to me, it makes sense because they have to cut through, you know, the muscle and the tissue and all that. There's something like five layers. Yeah. It's it's down there. So, like, all the way into your uterus, basically, they got to go. It sucks that it still hurts sometimes. And it seems like it's random. Like, nothing she does is... Right, there's no specific the trigger or anything like that. It just hurts, which is crazy. Um, anyway, back to Logan's birth. Scheduled C-section. Uh, he didn't come early. He <laughs> came right when he was supposed to. It was really interesting um, because they took Jackie back to the OR. They gave me the paper outfit and plastic gown mm-hmm. and all that stuff so I could go back to the OR again with her. And while I'm pacing, I was pacing in the, uh, I guess, pre-op area? I don't know. Yeah, I know the room you're talking Um, about. And that's where they gave us the paperwork if we had the name decided and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. Was it it daytime or nighttime for you for this one? It was in the morning. Okay. Because it was was a scheduled C-section. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So, like, we had an appointment. We just showed up to the appointment, like, an hour earlier, whatever they told us. And we went through everything. They did like tests and stuff, and all oh, everything's fine, you know. Everything looks like it's gonna go according to plan. So they took Jackie back, and I'm chilling there. And they're like, "It could be up to 20 minutes before we come back and get you, so you can be in the room for it or whatever." They didn't. And, they didn't tell me that for mine. Oh, <laughs> that's gonna be part of my story. Just <laughs> pacing back and forth up there. So I start pacing. I'm like, "Oh man, it's been like five minutes. Only like 10 or 15 to go." And then the door opens behind me where I came in at, not where she left at. And uh, it's our friends, Ashley and Tommy. Oh, hey. Yeah. They were having twins that day. Oh, I didn't realize that was on the same day. Same day, same exact time. That's amazing. So Shout I got out to, to Ashley and Tommy. They have awesome yeah. kids. I was like, that's cool that I'm not alone anymore, <laughs> that I have friends now. <laughs> but uh, I was trying not to be like... Too much up into their business. Sure. But I was just so happy to see someone I knew. What a sweet treat. Yeah. Um, I just, I feel like I stopped being anxious right then because I was like, oh, no matter what happens now, you know, somebody's got my back. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And then uh, just a minute after that, they came and they're like, Mr. Bender. And I was like, that's my father. (laughs) No, not really. (laughs) But, uh. Yeah, I went back to the OR. They went ahead and opened Jackie up and got Logan out. Everything was like super perfect. Um, since Logan didn't have to go straight to the NICU, they uh, they got to put Logan on Jackie's chest for a minute, and uh, she was still opened up or yeah. whatever. Yeah, it like, takes a while a big, to close it all up. Curtain. Yep. And uh, I didn't even bother asking about the umbilical cord this time because <laughs> the first time I they. I could see them debating it the first time, and the second time I was just like, I'm not even going to bother. I'm just going to try to focus on Jackie, you know, hold her hand. I did I did stand up and look over the curtain a few times. How was that? 
Um, sometimes I would just randomly tell Jackie that I saw her guts. <laughs> <laughs> she really appreciates that. It was something that I, <laughs> it was something I had thought about doing, but just in the moment I didn't want to leave her side, so I didn't do. But I also wasn't super interested in seeing that level of gore on my wife. Like it was kind of freaking me out a little bit. Um, so I ended up not doing it for my turn. Sorry, I keep interrupting my bad. Oh, you're good, man. You're supposed to chime in. That's why there's two of us. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, Logan, everything was good with him. Um, I think me and him went back to the like recovery, like the, the main room that you stay in while you're there. While we were waiting for Jackie to get sewn up or whatever. And uh, then she joined us later, and uh, the pediatrician came by. I remember that. So here's something important um, to note if you're going to be a new father and you're going to be staying in the hospital for a day or five, Mm -hmm. depending on (laughs) what's going on. Um, You, your wife, the baby, everybody who's staying in the hospital will not get hardly any rest oh no people are gonna come in you know every 45 minutes the whole time that you're there overnight especially yeah and they're so sweet and they're so quiet they're like hey just checking on baby yeah and uh and they'll mess with baby and and usually stick them in the toe for a sugar test and check on mom and see how the meds are doing and everything and get a little update and then they'll leave and they'll be like all right try to get some rest and they'll walk (laughs) out and like 10 minutes later Hey, just checking on baby. Yeah. And it's like it's it's it became comical at one point with how many people were coming in and out sometimes at like all hours of the night and they all said, Hey, try to get some rest. Yeah. And I was like, No, that's not happening. Yeah. <laughs> You're sweet, but you know better. You just you're just buttering us up. Yeah, so prepare to not get rest. You're gonna take all the time off of work or and if you're lucky. If you're lucky. Or if you're if you have like the maternal or paternal paternal leave or whatever Mm -hmm. um those first five days any the whole time you're in the hospital you're just not gonna rest um just do your best to be supportive and try not to get irritated yeah Um, everybody who's coming in is there for you and your wife and your baby or your girlfriend or whomstever whomstever (laughs) um and I think it's important to remember that. Um, one trick I learned later in life, not why any of my children were in the hospital, <laughs> uh, bring a big old bag of Jolly Ranchers for the staff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, whenever they come in, just be like, hey, these Jolly Ranchers are for you guys. And, yeah. Uh, that goes a long way. It does. Just little gestures. We tried to butter up our staff for the first one. Um, my wife's sister wanted to come visit. And she was like, hey, do you guys need anything? And we were like, yo, we would really love if you could bring like just a dozen donuts. Like just we just want to put it out in the room for the nurses and everything, even the ones that work with just like we just wanted to do something sweet, but we can't leave and go. And I didn't feel comfortable leaving and coming back and all that stuff. And also the hospital, your kids were all born at Sarasota Memorial, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so were mine. And um, like 99% of hospitals are built this way for the um, labor delivery mother unit and all that stuff it's locked down like Fort Knox. Like you cannot get in and out easily. Um, there's so many procedures and check-ins and numbers you have to remember to do. And it was, it would have been way too much of a hassle for me to leave and go to a donut shop and come back. And we didn't think to do it ahead of time because we were trying to go get the baby. Um, but we and had you, asked her cause she had offered if we needed anything, we we're like, Hey, we will we even pay you back. Um, 
and she just never showed up. So they're like, well, well, there goes that. That kind of leads me to another tip that I thought of. Um, everybody in the world's probably going to come see you and the baby. Mm-hmm. Um, just ask them not to, is yep. what I would say. Yeah. Um, say, you, I mean, if it's like, I honestly, I probably, if I had the knowledge I have now, I would tell everyone to just wait till we get yeah. home. Um, because it is locked down, like Fort Knox in there. No other children that aren't your your baby siblings mm-hmm. can come in, like under any circumstance. Yep. And they only allow X amount of visitors at a time. Yeah, only so many people can go in the room that's not you or the mom. And like I said, you're already not getting rest. And like it's just better for everyone if they just wait and come to your house. When yep. you're, and uh, even the baby has like a like a chip that he can't yep. go past. They can't go past the the door. Yep. Or if they do, like, alarm sound and, like, the armed security person at the... It might even be a police person at the door. I can't remember. Uh, I remember they had a gun. <laughs> <laughs> so you're not getting out of there with that baby. Nope. Even on accident. Nope. Like, you're definitely not getting out on purpose. You're really not getting out on accident. <laughs> Just try to keep your visitors down because you're not yeah. going to get much rest. And I'll say that's a, that's a spot where we as the dads can really step in because your wife is going to be in an extremely vulnerable position her entire stay at the hospital. She can be so tired and so uncomfortable. And whether it was natural or C-section, she's going to be dealing with a lot of recovery and bleeding and discomfort. And she'll be exposed to feed the baby or to pump or to do whatever. She's going to be dealing with a lot. And you're also trying to get to know the baby and keep visitors from the baby low because they don't have much of an immune system, obviously. But the, everybody does want to come see, and they want to be the first sometimes. And I think it's really important to kind of step up and 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 be the person who's like, "Hey, I know you're really excited, but please don't come." Or, and the nurses will tell you, make the nurses do it. Yeah, because if sometimes people will show up, this didn't happen to me, but sometimes people will show up you don't want to, and uh, just say, "No, we don't want any visitors right now." And the nurses will happily turn them away. Yeah. And, um, and you don't have to take any of that. Don't have to take the heat. Yeah. <laughs> both sets of our parents were super eager to see our first kid, but also both sets of our parents were really good about like, what do you need? If we're going to come up to see you, what do you need? And they were both super helpful. So that sweetened the pot a little bit. And those are the only people that really came and visited. My wife's best friend came at one point um, for the first child. She wasn't able to come for the second child. But for Nixon, she was able to come. And between uh, my wife's parents, my parents, and her, those are the only visitors we had for the first one. And then for the second one, it was just her parents and my parents. That was wise. I remember when Shirley was born, everyone in the world came. And since Jackie had had the C-section, you know, she was really down for the count pretty much the whole time we were there. Mm-hmm. Even when we got back home, she was still, she still needed help to get all the way to, like, the bathroom and stuff yeah. like that. Because, you know, they cut through those muscles that stabilize your body when you're standing Mm -hmm. up. So it's really hard to, you know, stand up and do anything after, after that. Yeah. And, and that's another important thing. If you can take that time off to be there after the birth, um, especially for a C-section, it's going to be super crucial because, um, there's a weight limit to what your wife is going to be able to pick up and put down and stuff. Um, which is basically the baby. Yeah. That's the only thing. And if you have other kids at home, especially from that age where they still want to be carried, like I'm sure you may have experienced with Logan and Shirley, not supposed to be doing that. Yeah. <laughs> so you could pop stitches. You could literally burst open. It's not a good time. So yeah, just 
just realize that not only are you not going to get any sleep at the hospital and not only is your child going to keep you up at night because they need to feed, um, you're also going to be doing literally the heavy lifting around the house to help her out because she's literally recovering from surgery. And I would say even for natural birth, even for good ones, there's definitely a little bit of recovery time, obviously. And I would consider that the same as recovering from surgery. You, you have been opened up and something has come out of you. That is surgery. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whether it was scalpers or not. Did you? Did you go? Mm-mm. I didn't know. I keep interrupting you so much. I didn't know oh. if your story was done. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, I guess. Well, I kind of stopped talking about my story and started giving advice. That's a good point. So that's kind of what we wanted to do anyway. Yeah. With the show. So you tell your story now. I'll go for it. Um, so for our second kid, uh, like you, I don't remember a lot of the date of because it kind of blurs together with the other one. The hospital looked the same. The rooms looked the same. I was convinced for the first day that I was in the exact same room as the first one, but that was just me being silly. Um, <laughs> I even went back in pictures and I was like looking around the room and trying to find reference points from the old <laughs> pictures. And I was like, where? No, this is a different one. Okay. It's time for re- forensic investigation. Here. <laughs> but I remember, like I mentioned that her, her emotional spikes were different. Her cravings were different too. Um, she still liked pizza, obviously, but her big craving for the second kid was orange juice. Mm. She just could not get enough orange juice, just orange juice all day, every day. We still get a lot of orange juice now because it still hasn't quite gone away, even almost a year later. Well, that's a that's a good point, actually. I'm going to interrupt no, you. No, go for it. <laughs> so having the kids, we all know that when they're pregnant, they have hormones and they, they go crazy. And that's what gives them like the cravings and the mm-hmm. extra emotional, everything. To be clear, the hormones are going crazy, not the person. Yes. They, they spike and dip massively. It, it It's insane. And after the baby comes, that continues to happen for mm-hmm. like a long time. Yes. Um, I just thought we needed to make that clear because... Um, <laughs> yeah, the ride ain't over when the kid yeah, comes out. Everything doesn't just go back to normal. Now they have their hormones trying to be regulated to not be pregnant anymore. Mm-hmm. And, you know, their uterus was stretched big enough to fit a human being. And it has to shrink back down yep. and all that kind of stuff. So like, and, uh, and when milk comes in, Oh yeah. Feeding, even if you're using a pump, just the expression of the milk is telling your body to produce more. And it's, it causes a lot of hormone changes as well. I've learned. Yeah. So I just feel it's important to, note that yeah that's a good point Um, because that's advice i never got i didn't know yeah i didn't know well the second time i did yeah and then then you get the added bonus of everyone's really exhausted and stressed out yeah and so like it's a it's a real bad recipe for blowing up at each other if you're not careful and just having having that mindset of keeping an even keel and um I always, I always said I was task oriented. I was like, all right, what do I need to accomplish? Which is kind of a cold way to look at it sometimes. But I was like, all right, my wife, especially for the second one, because like I said before, it was a C-section. Like she's kind of down for the count. I have, uh, I have one child and an infant, a newborn infant. Like what do I need to accomplish right now? And I just start trying to do things. And then not like clean the house, do things, but like, all right, this child needs attention. All right, this child needs to be held. Like what can I do to help? Or at least make things run smoothly. But um, yeah, for the second one, I don't remember a lot of the the date of, especially going. We, again, had a scheduled induction because our kids were tracking super huge. And my wife had gained, I think, 70 pounds this pregnancy. It was a lot. Um, it was a normal amount. 
I mean, she'll tell you it was a okay, lot. Okay, <laughs> That's that. That was trying to have your back. There. Yeah, I got you. I, I appreciate it. Um, and actually, that might that might be wrong. That might be the first one. I honestly can't remember. Um, both my kids tracked really huge, and then they came out a little bit smaller than what they were predicting. Except the second one, I guess, was a little bit on. I'll get to that. But we had a scheduled induction, and our water did not break on the day of that time, so we actually got to go and do the check-in process as normal and get the induction process. And then they went in and popped the the amniotic fluid to water to break the water at some point and all this stuff. And she had an epidural again, so a lot of it was repeat, but there was just so much more waiting with this one because the process didn't start already. There was no labor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it took a long time. I want to say... We got there in the middle of the night. Our, our scheduled induction was in the middle of the night. So we got to the hospital like three something in the morning, somewhere in the ballpark of that. And it was a lot of waiting and a lot of waiting. And we tried a bunch of different stuff. We were walking around the room. We were walking around the little um, delivery unit, like the outside area, just walking in circles and stuff. And it just felt like it was taking forever. But once once everything did get started, it was kind of the same thing. Now, we were warned by the doctor when she came and she's very blunt, which I appreciated. She had kind of warned us after feeling and looking around and looking at the charts and all the information, and everything. She was like, Hey, you might want to consider a C-section because we were trying for a natural birth again. My wife was absolutely terrified of a C-section and I don't blame her because it's a scary prospect. She said that was her absolute last resort. She wanted to try and try and try. And they were warning us of, um, I really wish I could remember what it's called. They were warning us of like the shoulder getting stuck because he was too big and then basically being stuck in the birth canal and suffocating without being able to come out and stuff and all the dangers between that. Um, so they were warning us very heavily without saying you should get a C-section because they're not legally obligated to say you should get a C-section, right? They're just recommending it very strongly that it might be a possibility. Um, but we were stubborn and we were, we tried again for almost 24 hours uh, and once the labor did happen, she wasn't dilating enough. We were waiting for her to dilate to a certain amount to begin the pushing process. And it just, it was getting stuck. It became really clear that he wasn't going to come out. He wasn't going to fit. Um, so that's when they finally were like, Hey, you really need to think about the C-section. And we, my wife rather, um, was finally like, all right, but she was terrified of it. She really didn't want to do it. And she was worried about the recovery more than anything else and how awful it could be. And she did have a really rough recovery for it. But my experience with the C-section was interesting because it was, again, in the middle of the night. We had been doing this for almost a day. So it was like four in the morning, pitch black outside. And they they wheelchair us from the labor room. Well, they then wheeled, she was on the actual hospital bed. The hospital bed pushed her across the courtyard into another part of the, the hospital. And I was just following along with all the stuff. And like, it was a real surreal moment just being outside in the middle of the night and they're pushing her on the hospital bed and I'm like holding all the stuff running behind like wait for me and we go up to that same pre-op room that you were talking about and they're trying to give us the gist and they're like all right you're gonna put on these scrubs we're gonna go get her prepped and you're gonna come in um they didn't give me a like I said before they didn't give me a time and no idea how long it was gonna take and I thought all right they'll be back in a little bit I better get dressed real fast and so I get dressed and I put my scrubs on and I put my mask on and I'm just kind of waiting in the plastic room or in the plastic suit and I'm like looking out the window and it's all pitch black and it's a, it feels like a really long time. I couldn't tell you how long it actually was, 
but it mm. felt like an eternity because I had no idea how long I was waiting for. And it's just me back there. There's literally not a single soul in that room besides me. And I'm just sitting there. I'm just sitting there. And then the phone rings. Like one of the nurse charge stations uh, had a phone that started ringing. And I looked at it and I was like, are they calling me? Should I, <laughs> is this an emergency? Do I need to answer this? It was just the stupidest thing to think of. Of course, they're not calling me in the room. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I was so anxious. And I was like, oh, my God, there's already been some kind of complication. Do, should I answer this phone? Is this for me? Oh, please tell me you answered it. <laughs> no, I did not answer it. I, <laughs> I'm sorry. I, just like, I feel like if it was me, I would have I picked up. I'd have been like, yes, this is Nick. <laughs> What's wrong? <laughs> Who is this? <laughs> um, but yeah, so I was just, my nerves was just racked as all because she was terrified of it and I was a little scared of it and I didn't know what was going to walk into. And so um, I'm sitting in this like dark room. Everything's like tan and brown and like dimly lit. And I'm just waiting and I'm waiting and I'm waiting. And finally they call me back. Someone comes in and gets me. Not on the phone. Um <laughs> And they walked me back and I remember walking in and this part is kind of like TV as you, I walked in and just like bright lights, like that quick glare of you can't see anything. And then your eyes settle and everything's just like white and sterile and they're all standing around. She's laying on the bed. They already have the curtain draped. Um, and she's kind of like s- sitting there. There's a couple people behind, like behind the curtain next to her where I was going to sit. And then there's obviously the team and they're all standing like they're like a judge just walked in. And, um, the, the head of the operation was going over the procedure and like telling all the other doctors, like, this is what we're going to do. This is every step we're going to take. And they're just going over it step by step, which I, which I know is for them, not for me, but it was helpful for me. I felt a lot like, okay. And I was remember the advice I was telling her is how routine and everyday C-sections are. And like, yeah, it's going to be a lot for us and a lot for you recovery wise. But as far as the procedure goes, how many of these do they do every day? for all the babies that are born just in our city. Well, that's the cool thing about that hospital. Every time a baby is born, they play that little yes. tune and that tune's going off throughout the whole hospital, throughout the whole hospital, multiple times a day, every mm-hmm. single day. Like I was there with my dad. Let's see. I guess it was, it was probably a week before our last recording mm. and, uh, it went off three times while I was there Yeah, and I was there for like an hour and a half. Yeah. So that was a good, good point yeah and uh so it was really that was my sense of comfort is how routine this was and um then i came in they had me sit right next to her i still got to like comfort her and be next to her and everything and uh and then they got to work and the anesthesiologist my wife can remember his name but i can't he was awesome he was such a cool dude and he was he was the one that was like back there with us talking to her and talking to us and everything and she was when she was nervous and he was like hey do you feel anything yet She's like, no. He's like, all right. And then like, if she even felt like a twinge, she was like, I think I felt something. He's like, don't worry about it. Turn the dial. And yeah. uh, he was so cool. He was like a real calming source in the room. And they were just doing the work behind the curtain. They were just going to town. When when Lincoln was taken out of her or pulled out of her, I could see it through the curtain because it's slightly transparent. It's like, it's like when you go, oh, it's going to be a weird, weird pull but it's like when you go into like a a freezer at a a, like a butcher or supermarket or restaurant and they got like the plastic flaps yeah it's that level of opaqueness like you can see through it a little bit but also you can't really see through it so when they pulled him out i could see him so you knew what was going on there's just no fine details yeah so i knew i knew he came out obviously i heard him when he came out they took him over to the little um i don't even know what that machine's called 
where they start doing the Apgar test. I call it's a scale. I slash, okay. I was slash gonna, heating lamp. I was gonna slash. say the call I was gonna call it the baby warmer. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, slash incubator there we slash go. something incubator like that. Probably um, the best. So they brought him over there to do the stuff, and then uh, I came over with them, and that was my opportunity to kind of turn around and look a little bit at what was going on. But I just, it was a real quick glance; I didn't really want to look at it at the time. Um, but I went over there and did that. And before I went over there, like, who has red hair? <laughs> we were like, what? Because neither of us have red hair. Um, her mom has a little bit of red hair. Uh, but neither of us really do, so we were like, "Oh, here we go." <laughs> but it wasn't it wasn't really that red. They were just going. I don't think I don't think they were being silly on purpose, but I think they're just being a little silly. Um, so she was like really itching to see him. Just like, bring him to me. Um, so I got to walk him back over to her after he was like checked and swaddled, and I got to to bring him over back to her side of the curtain and sit down next to her, and he had to be on her chest for a little bit, and I got to hold and like rub cheeks together because I was holding them, <laughs> just mushed his cheeks onto hers and stuff. Um, it was really cool. He was bigger than my other kid. After all, he was tracking a little less, but he ended up being bigger. He was 10 pounds, one ounce and t- almost 22 inches long. They did a head measurement. I didn't write this down for my first one, which I feel a little silly for cause I'm kind of a completion. I like to write data down. Um, but they measured his head is 14 and a half inches. And so when her dilation got stuck, we were like, that's why you weren't going to come out. <laughs> that was never going to work. Right. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, they sewed her back up and we walked out back to the pre-op room. Actually, that was like where we stopped. Um, so the pre-op room was where we hung out for a little bit and let baby rest and let mom recover a little bit. And kind of, they were doing checks here and there for everything. And we just kind of hung out in that room. And then eventually we got to our, um, baby room. So at our, at the hospital, our kids were born at, um, there's the delivery room and then there's the room they take you after you're done. Um, so if you get a natural birth, you're in the delivery room, the baby comes out, they, then they walk everybody to the next room with all the stuff and they look almost identical just without all the apparatus and stuff. Um, but for the C-section, obviously we had to go to the pre-op room, then the operating room, then back to the pre-op room. Then we went to the third room to, to chillax. It was a tougher experience for her. Uh, it was a lot harder and the recovery from the C-section was really, really difficult for her. Yeah. Um, I want to say it took 12 weeks for her to get cleared by her doctor to like resume regular activities and like pick stuff up and put stuff down. And like you said about your wife, like her scar still hurts. She was worried about it busting home. There was like a, a discharge that kept happening once in a while that she was really nervous about, but ended up not being too big of a deal. But yeah, recovery for her was really, really difficult. Well, those are two very different birthing experiences. Yeah. Your C-section was kind of, it was kind of inverse to our, to Shirley's birth because you, you were going for the natural birth and ended up with the Mm C-section and we were going for the C-section and they were trying to push for the natural. Yeah. I see what you did there. Push for the natural. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And one other thing I want to say, first of all, the hospital was awesome and all the nurses were great. There's one nurse we didn't like very much, but I don't remember any details about her, and I wouldn't say anything about her anyway. But everybody was awesome there. Uh, They have a... Basically, you have to go to this short presentation before you can leave. They call it a class, but it's like you just... Everybody, before you can be discharged, you go, and you bring the child, and they talk to you, and they have some food and stuff for mom, and they, they... 
talk about car seats and car seat safety and make sure everything's good. You're supposed to bring the kid in the car seat so everybody can kind of look and be like, all right, it's good. Um, the first time my wife and I both went and it was fine. It was quick. It was easy. And then the second time, Oh, before I go to that, that's also where they do like their footprints and they make the little cards and stuff for you. It's like a whole little like graduation ceremony from the hospital. And, um, the second time they told us dads weren't allowed. Oh yeah. They explicitly said that I had to wait in the room for them to come back. And then my wife finally came back and she's like, there were a bunch of dads in there. So when she came back, I was super confused and we never got resolution on that. Um, yeah, that was weird. That was weird. Cause, uh, I think for one of mine, my dad was there with us, like in the class <laughs> with the car seat and everything. Like, um, or maybe he just walked us there and then went down to get a car for us or something. I do I do remember. All right, we're back. <laughs> we definitely did not lose power and think we were going to lose the entire episode. Yeah, that didn't we, had, happen. we have an hour recorded, an hour plus, and I was like, oh, frick. <laughs> <laughs> I guess one thing else I wanted to say about the experience, another dad tip is... Um, it is likely, well, maybe not likely. This worked out for my wife, the second one. Uh, one thing that they're not really allowed to eat anymore while they're pregnant is oh. uh, lunch meats because um, of the nitrates and stuff. There's a low chance of causing some difficulty of some sort that I don't remember anymore, but it's serious enough to take seriously. And so my wife swore off all lunch meats while pregnant both times. And the entire time she was pregnant with the first one, all she wanted was a turkey club sandwich. <laughs> um, that wasn't like her pregnancy craving. That's just what she wanted because she couldn't have it. So her her first meal after uh, our oldest boy was born was a turkey club sandwich from First Watch. And that was like, that was the specific one she wanted. For the second one, it was from Jersey Mike's. Oh, nice. And so my advice would be if your wife has a first a first sandwich or first meal after giving birth, she's going to be hungry on account of not eating the entire time she's in there. Um, if she has something like that, one thing you can do if you, if you're not capable of just bringing it with you or going out and getting it is, um, when you do have visitors come, this goes back to the, the visitors wanting to see everybody, uh, ask them to bring that. Yeah. They will be big damn heroes and she will be super happy and you get to feel good for setting it up or thinking of it or whatever. Um, so, so ask her about that before you guys go in. Like, what's what's the first thing you want to eat when you can eat again? Um, I mean, there's always the option of cafeteria food, which has gotten better over time, I suppose. But she wasn't really feeling any of that when she was in. And it's also food for you. They, yeah. They'll bring something for you, too, I'm sure. So you get to get some delicious food. Sorry, moms only. <laughs> I only bring meals for moms. Right. <laughs> there. Were there good dad tips for, for pregnancy or in the hospital you got? My biggest thing, I guess, would be just be supportive regardless of what's going on. Oh, for sure. Um, I feel like I could have done a better job at that. I know when she was pregnant with Shirley, I was having that crappy job, and I was working like 80 or 90 hours a week just to to have extra money, right. which is, is ridiculous. I yes. should have just got a better <laughs> job. I mean... If it were only so simple. Yeah, right. <laughs> Hindsight and all that. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel like I wasn't there as much as I probably needed to be. So I would say, you know, 
take the time to be there. Lean into it because whether you like it or not, you're there. Mm-hmm. You're there for you're there for the rest of their lives. Yeah, or your life, whichever. Yeah, and it's a lot of like nobody's keeping track, and if you are, it might be something you need to stop doing anyway. But <laughs> it's 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 good relationship slash emotional investment for your, your relationship to be that. Like it cannot be understated how cool it is to have a supportive partner in that moment. And my wife has told me multiple times, like the thing that endures in her memory for a lot of the pregnancy isn't just all the hard stuff, but it's how supportive I was and how around I was and how, um, that I was, I was just there to help her when she was having troubles or there to support her when she was having a difficult time. And like, you can, you can do a very little and go a long way if it's earnest and if it's sincere. Um, obviously don't settle for very little, you know, go the extra (laughs) mile, but like, it's such a cool opportunity for you guys to bond over this. And what's what you should really be doing at that time is bonding over this new life that you're making and planning on being around for and planning on supporting for the rest of its life. Cause it didn't ask to be born. You guys did the job. It wasn't up to them. You know what I mean? So like leaning into that is so huge. I would also suggest, and they will tell you this beforehand, pack, pack your bags ahead of time, pack stuff for her to wear when she's done giving birth but not anything too elaborate because she's not going to put anything on till you guys leave unless it's too cold so um because she'll be you know if nursing or pumping or however the milk's coming out when the milk comes if the milk comes like she's going to be exposed and she's not going to take on and put off a t-shirt or a blouse or whatever um but do bring something obviously that's different from what she arrived in for her to leave something comfortable, preferably, um, bring some clothes for you too, because you're going to be in there for probably a minimum of three days. So bring yourself a chain, at least one change of clothes in that time. You can bring toiletries if you want. You can use that shower that's in there. If you're so inclined, I couldn't, I couldn't bring myself to leave my wife's side for long enough to go take a shower that whole time, which might sound gross. Um, the only time I really left the room for either pregnancy was when I was, starving and I need something to eat and I didn't want to eat in front of her. So I'd go down to the cafeteria and come back, but you're going to be there for three days. So talk to your wife. Does she want music playing? Does she want to bring movies to watch? You get the one hospital TV and the speakers go into the bed side. Like they, the feed directly next to her head on the bed itself. Um, so like not a great option for, you know, entertainment or anything like that. So if you're going to be there for a while, if you feel like you might be there for a while, definitely bring something like that. Now the first one I brought, I brought a tablet and had some movies downloaded. We never even touched them. And then the second one, we didn't bother. But that's stuff you learn when you have multiple children, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I'll also say, check and see if the hospital you're planning to deliver at has um, classes. For our first, we were able to go to a child CPR class, which may or may not have been a mandatory requirement from the hospital. I don't recall, but we did it anyway. Um, you get a little infant CPR doll to practice on and everything. It's really cool. Um, we went to breastfeeding classes just to kind of get an idea because my wife was really into the idea of breastfeeding and she was, she tried really hard for the first one. And the second one, we realized that she's a much better pumper than feeder. Um, so she exclusively pumps. We didn't have to do that for the second one. Do those two. They have obviously, I can't remember the name of the class, but we did one where we, learn like swaddling and change diapers yes. and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And um, so check and see what classes they have. But our hospital, and I don't know if you did any of these, our hospital had a dad class. I can't remember going specifically to one that was just me. I went I went to one. It was like a before you... Be, I don't remember the name of it, but it's like a dad one. I think it was dad 101 or daddy 101 or something like that. Uh, our hospital had a, a group that holds these meetings all the time. And it's led by a father... Well, they're all fathers, obviously, but it's led by a father and he coordinates with people who have gone through the class before to have them bring their kids to, especially if they're still in diapers and young and stuff. Yeah. I do remember uh, for one of the kids, we took Adriana to an Adriana-oriented class. Mm -hmm. Um, Or maybe I took her. I can't remember. Or maybe I didn't take her at all. (laughs) Maybe Jackie took her and I just am taking credit. Right. (laughs) Someone someone Somebody went. Damn it. Somebody went and took her, and she got her own little certificate at the end. That's cool. Um, I think it might still be on the fridge at our house. <laughs> but we got a new fridge, so maybe it's in a box of sentimental stuff. Yeah. But it was on the fridge. Um, so if there there were... Si- my point is there were sibling-oriented classes, too, that That's helped, awesome. helped them. Um, because if you already have a kid, and then you're bringing another one, like, especially if it's your... your oldest kid and they were an only child for a mm-hmm. while um it will help them like try to be more involved yeah in... it makes them feel more apart that was a big thing we were worried about with our son when the next one came is because we knew all the um the stories of like the jealousy and the attention and all that stuff and we our idea to mitigate that was going to be to make him as involved as possible and make make it a possession for him too it's not it's not just our kid it's your kid it's your baby brother it's your baby are you excited for your baby and stuff like that and it, it's hard to get them excited to do chores so we we try to shy away from like you can help him do diapers and stuff like that not that he really he's only two at the time so he didn't really fully understand all the stuff we were saying but we were trying to include him in as much as possible we never wanted to feel like we were bringing someone else into the house we we're bringing someone home to him too um, and I think that went a long way until my youngest son can now crawl around and move and touch his stuff. And now it's a little different. Now he's starting <laughs> to finally get those little territories. Like he'll be sitting on the couch and be like, mom, get him away from me. And I was like, dude, you're three and a half. Please wait. And you're supposed to be a teenager for you sound like this. <laughs> um, but back to that dad class, it was really cool. Is basically the premise of the class is what we're doing here is just telling birthing stories and experiences in the hospital and experiences after the hospital and like what it's like to be a dad and especially a dad to a new child. It's intended for like first time parents. Um, but they will call you back if you put yourself on, on the list and they will ask you to come back with your child and be one of the people that's there to help give advice and stuff. And I went to one, I went to one, uh, before my first kid was born. I was very excited about it. It was an awesome experience. And then I went back with my firstborn son, I don't know why I keep saying stuff like that. I went back with my oldest kid. Um, the I only mean, kid I had at the time. He is your firstborn He son. is. I don't know, <laughs> it feels weird to specifically mention like my oldest son, my first son. But I have two kids, and they're both boys. So that's the only way I can differentiate between them without saying their names all the time. Anyway, um, <laughs> so I went back with with my son, and he was three months old maybe. I'm not sure. Somewhere, somewhere in the very early ballpark. And uh, I was very excited to go. Had him in my little dad my dad pack they had a little um front carrier they think you guys gave to us actually i was gonna say yeah 
both of them that you gave to us. Yeah, the erg is it the, ergos? the ergos. Yeah, yeah. I gotta I love those things. Actually, it's sitting less than a foot away from me in this stroller right here. Oh, nice. Um, which I guess we don't use it anymore because the other it doesn't matter. Anyway, um, I had him in the ergo and I was so excited, but I also brought the stroller and I had some bottles and I was like, I was ready to be dad. I was like dad commando. Um, That's my favorite part about the ergos. Like, uh, you feel like dad commando when yeah. you have your baby strapped to you, and then like. You could wear two at the same time too. Like mm-hmm. you could put one in the back and one in the front. Yep. You're just like double, <laughs> double ergo baby commando yes. dad. Um, <laughs> but uh, but when I went back, my son was in such a foul mood and he screamed the whole time. And we were a little late because he was screaming the whole time and it was hard to get out of the house. Uh, dad tip number eighty thousand. Um, whether you have one kid or five hundred kids, somehow you'll always be late to everything. It's, it's going to take you way longer to figure out how to pack up all the stuff and get everything you need out the door uh, than you think it will, even when you know how long it will take. Even when you've done it a bunch of times, all yeah. of a sudden, like, nope, we're late again. So I was late to everything, and it's so infuriating. And I was late to this class, and he was screaming the whole time, and he was kind of rejecting the bottle, and then he pooped himself, and I had to change it on the table. And it was just like, I had a really sour experience going back the second time, and I think it was because I was really excited to give dad advice to new dads, <laughs> which is, here we are. So I'm making up for it now. There you go. <laughs> Any other advice? I'm sure trying to think of some. <laughs> it's hard to think of tips on the fly. Yeah. Especially especially when we don't just have questions to answer, I guess. <laughs> Guys, ask us some questions. Right. <laughs> I think a couple of people have reached out on some of our posts. Keep it up. We appreciate it. Yeah, we do. Um, I got another one. Uh, one, one tip that I thought was really important for my wife and I was going to the OB meetings as much as I could. Oh yeah. Or go to the, going to the doctor appointments. Like I went to almost all of them for both kids and each one was cool. Cause you usually get to hear the heartbeat, which is awesome. And it's just cool to be there and be supportive. It's usually some kind of a painful experience once it gets later down the line, cause they're doing cervix checks and other kind of things. And so like, it's not. It's not just like putting the gel on the tummy and looking at the baby anymore. Now they're like checking your body and it's extremely painful from what I've told by my wife. Um, so just being there to support even in that step, it's just really cool to be there and being there a part of the way. And if you can, I know everyone's schedule different. My wife and I work the same job, so we get the same schedule. So it was easier for us to do that. But if you can go to as many as you can, yeah. plus you look like a superhero for showing up. They love it. Yeah, they see people show up alone all the time. So when there's a dad there, it's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, just uh, doing your best to be present from the very beginning is, yeah. is super important. Yeah. And it's make it a true partnership, you know what I mean? Because, like, you you both are bringing this life into the world. Like, obviously, she's doing the literal labor. Um, but your role is the support and your role is to get her through it. And then your role is to help raise the child. So why skip any of it? exactly if if you can go i want to be clear like i'm not saying like people who have to work too hard and can't go to the meetings they're like inferior in some way it's like obviously everyone's situation is different but like if you can be there absolutely do it as much as possible yeah try just try to make it a priority because the baby's definitely a priority yep. once it's born <laughs> <laughs> yeah you don't want them about like three months old singing the cats in the cradle song. oh my god <laughs> harry chapin I think that's the guy's name who's singing it. I'm gonna be honest, I have no idea. 
I know that song for my whole life. <laughs> Never bothered to learn the artist. <laughs> it's okay. I'm like that a lot of times too. I just think I remembered that one. <laughs> so, uh, how do you want to end it? You want to do a little joke? We didn't do a joke last week. Oh, we didn't do a joke last week. I almost just made a very terrible joke that I'm probably not even going to say while we're recording. But... <laughs> Don't even want the chance. Nope. <laughs> like, not even after the song. <laughs> just very distasteful. Probably very hilarious. But... Yeah, well... We really appreciate everybody tuning in. This is only our third episode, but I feel like we're going pretty strong. Um, each one is getting more in-depth and more um, fun for us to do, as you can tell by the length. I think we're at like an hour and a half with the raw recording before I cut out our ums, which honestly, I don't remember doing a lot of this time. So I feel like we're getting a lot more natural out of it, too. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, <gasps> <Huh>? <laughs> Maybe we're not. But at least we're having more fun. We sure which are. Is- pretty important it's pretty important um so damn it now i did it oh no so uh long st- oh, that doesn't Ooh. count that doesn't count it's you a didn't, uh. it was just a you so there was no m <laughs> yeah we really appreciate everybody <laughs> talking about the ums took up yeah. more time than the ums did <laughs> son of a bitch all right uh we really do appreciate you guys tuning in and i hope it's fun for you guys too um and send in questions to myself or Nick. Yeah. Uh, literally anyone listening to this knows who we are, so I don't feel like we have to plug social media. You could also ask on our Instagram or Twitter page. You know what? Don't even bother with the Twitter page because I don't have time and none of us have time to upload and update like 15 different social medias. Yeah. But Instagram's working out. Okay. Um, so if you feel like asking us on Instagram at AskYourDadPod, You can ask us a question or either of our Facebooks or any of the promotional posts that I'll be doing and Nick will be doing about this episode when it comes out. Give us your questions. Give us what you're thinking about. What do you want to hear? Um, Shout out to my friend from college, David. He gave a lot of feedback on um, our last episode about TV dads, recognizing we left out some great ones from Boy Meets World. And so we appreciate that. Someone said something about Danny Tanner, too. Yeah, that was Shelby. She's awesome, too. I didn't mean to exclude you, Shelby, but but David gets priority because he's a dad now. Shout out to David and shout out to his kid. <laughs> shout, oh. out, shout out to Shelby's husband because he's also a dad. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I don't got anything clever to say anymore. What do you got? I have almost nothing to say. All right. Hit the outro music. Okay. This show is written, recorded, edited, and published by Nick Bender and Nick Troyer. You can follow our show on Instagram and Twitter at AskYourDadPod. 
That's A-S-K-U-R-D-A-D-P-O-D. If you'd like to support our show, you can donate to our Linktree page that will be linked in the episode description. Our theme song is Shimmering Lights by Punch Deck. You can find more great tracks at punchdeck.bandcamp.com. Until next time, if you have any questions, remember, you can always ask ask your your dad. dad. My wife came up with that idea. That was pretty good. It is pretty Shout good. Shout out to my wife. Go, good. Missy. Yeah, good job, wife. <laughs> um, ooh, that could be my end of the episode stinger. Shout out to my wife. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't have been a dad without you. <laughs> it wouldn't have been as fun. <laughs>